coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Still no update on Pocket Rumble. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. How's it going, Mark? I'm doing fabulous. How are you, Patrick? Fabulous. Yeah. That's good. It's a, it's an upgrade from great. Yeah, I guess it is. I feel like you normally come back come back to me with a great. Like, I'm doing great. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I mean, we're recording on a special night, so maybe that I get to see you twice this week. I'm feeling like... Fabulous. Yeah, that's, that's cause for celebration, uh-huh. seeing each other two times in one uh-huh. week. Over the course of three days... Yeah, we're knocking this friendship thing out of the park. Absolutely. Uh, we are we are joining, uh, we're, we're getting together here today on a Wednesday to talk about what happened yesterday, Tuesday, the... Uh, we're throwing dates at you, left and right. Dates. Look out. For you, it's Thursday or later. <laughs> we got to talk about this Nindy Showcase. Came out of nowhere. It was announced previously. Not out of nowhere. I'll stop. Uh, before we get into that, though, a uh, couple things we want to cover. A, uh, we need some ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. We would love some ratings and reviews. Mm-hmm. And specifically, we're looking at about like 26 right now right. that we w- would like. And we, the reason... Mm-hmm. The reason is if we have 50, then we can go to uh, E3. We can apply. We can apply to, to go, go to E3. E3. We have to have 50 in order to be considered as E3 eligible. And you know that you want us to go to E3, so we can tell you what happens at E3. Yeah, you want sassy E3 opinions. Yes. We're well, not beholden to any publisher. No. Because nobody will give us money. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Look, I've been given money before. I know what that's like. And I can recognize that in our capacity as NCS show hosts, we don't get money. There is an absence of money being gotten. That's right. <laughs> being gotten, being got. <laughs> so, you know you can trust us. We are incorruptible. Um, we love everything except for the things we hate. And we would be great at E3. So, help us get there. All you got to do is uh, rate and view the show. Um, here are other things you can do, though. You can borrow my copy of Sonic Forces, maybe. If you would like to try to borrow my copy of Sonic Forces, please send your address to our email address. That's Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. Gmail. And I'll add you on to the list. And when slash if I ever get my copy of Sonic Forces back, I will send it to you and you can play it for as long as you want and possibly never return it, which is what we might be experiencing right now. Uh, honestly, if it ends up that months down the line, somebody on the list, nay, maybe even years down the line, somebody sure. on the list gets a copy of Sonic Forces. What a fun surprise that'll be for them, because they'll probably have forgotten right. that they put their name on the list. It'll be like finding $20 in their pocket. Yeah, and that is about what the game is worth right now, I would say. Probably about $20. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. So treat your future self by sending your address to Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. Um, also, one other thing that we want to hit before we get into our main topic, uh, we are going to be creating our own fantasy Game Boy Classic Edition consoles, handhelds. What, what would we say this thing is? 
Uh, I presume edition. Uh, yeah, a classic edition, a Game Boy Classic edition. Sure. So we are going to be coming up with those on April 19th. If you would like to participate and get your own list of games in for your game for your ideal Game Boy Classic edition, you can send that in to Nintendo Cartridge Society at gmail.com. The rules are Mark has to be from the Game Boy or the Game Boy Color. Mm-hmm. No, it's Game Boy Advance nonsense. You can send up to 15 titles. Up to 15. And uh, as always, all of the lists that are submitted, including mine and Patrick's, mm-hmm. will be fighting it out Duking in a contentious battle. Yep, that's right. To be included on the definitive list, which is very exciting. So uh, gather that together. Look, you, you know you're going to put Tetris on there somewhere. Yeah. And you know, if you have like three games that you really think should be on there, send in the three. You don't have to have a full 15. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, send in, if you think there's one that we are like going to miss, if you're like, these guys aren't going to appreciate the Battletoads game on Game Boy, first of all, you're wrong. And second of all, send it in. Tell us why we would be dumb to leave it off. All right, Mark, let's, we got a whole showcase to get through here. Let's dig into it. Okay, so uh, Showcase ran for about 17 minutes. No, it was like 11. It was like 12. Oh, it was even tighter than Mm -hmm. I'm imagining. Um, So uh, just overall broad strokes. How do you feel about this thing? So I can't remember if we talked about this on mic or not. So, Mm. Mm. But are there any big indies that are out there, you know, like looming as not on the Nintendo Switch anymore. I feel like they've checked a lot of the boxes and continue to check mm-hmm. the boxes of the big indies. And so I don't think... Yeah, you know, with the last year we saw, you know, Stardew Valley, we saw Rocket League, we saw Owlboy, like a, a lot of the big indie games that I was like, man, I want that to come to Switch, uh, have. And so uh, I don't think either of us knew what to expect from the this most recent indie showcase. And I wouldn't say that there were any like showstoppers mm-hmm. uh it seemed fine for me personally it was probably the nindy showcase that i walked away from being like there were a couple of games that i'm looking for that like i'm interested in but there wasn't like a big big announcement yeah so the, that was like finally yeah there, there are a couple on here that seem really cool to me and i'm excited to talk about them when we get to them um I remain bummed out that there was no update about Pocket Rumble in here, no update about Wargroove, and um, there was a third thing, and now it's completely slipped out of my head. Uh, but, oh, the um, no update on the King of Cards scenario in um, Shovel Knight. So the three things that I was like, ah, surely we'll get information about that. None of that information in all games that I had either not heard of or... Um, you know, just had like a, a passing familiarity with. So how do you want to do this? Do you want to go through and just like talk about the games one by one? Uh, yeah, I guess we could. There's some of them that I don't really have a bunch to say on, but, I, uh, but we can. I think I've got something to say about all of them. Okay. Yeah. Let's comment. And I, let's, would, I would just, I would just, yeah, let's know, just do it. Know, like what you're feeling about yeah. all of this stuff. Well, okay. So the first thing mm-hmm. that kicked us off was Mark of the Ninja Remastered. Okay. What do you know about Mark of the Ninja Remastered? Because only that. The original game came out on Xbox Live Arcade in 2012, I think. Yeah. And is was well regarded at the time 
Um, but I've never played it. So it's I also have never played it, but it's a like side scrolling stealth game. Um, and like holds you pretty hard to the stealth aspect, which like I like stealth games. Um, I like the parts of Metal Gear where I'm like really trying to sneak around. Um, so and you know I like ninjas. Weirdly, they don't they for a game that's been out for five years, they don't show any gameplay uh, in the Nindy Showcase. So I suppose I could seek that information out myself. No, this is very true. Like based on the trailer itself. Yeah, what the actual game is, uh, those two things did not match up for me. Right, because like the uh, so what did what what did you walk away from thinking? What what did you think it was? The game was like walking away from that. I don't know. I guess little it, teaser. I guess it was like a cartoony Splinter Cell type game. Okay, so more of like a three D, um, stealth game. But it's not. No, nope. <laughs> no, it is not. Um, but I'm looking forward to checking that out, or at least like digging into it a little bit more uh, when it releases, or you know, digging into uh, other impressions. And I suppose, again, since it's already out, I could see what people <laughs> say say about it already. Um, yeah. Well, I was just going to move on to Fantasy oh, Strike. Yes. And I wanted to get your opinion on this mm-hmm. as somebody who is the resident fighting game fan Mm -hmm. so this game is a it is a one-on-one fighting game um what what is it that you need my opinion on well i guess like look there's no no word on pocket rumble but just something like this which to me to my untrained eye looks aesthetically very similar to street fighter 4 that's interesting like art style wise Art style wise, it looked a lot more like Marvel versus Capcom three to me. Okay, um, like heavier on the outlines. Uh, the characters look more cartoony than they do in uh, Street Fighter four, which like does have a little bit of that like ink, like a kind of inky characters. But that's almost more of like a a calligraphy aesthetic and less of like a cartoon aesthetic. These characters look cartoony to me. Um, but does the game do anything for me? I guess yeah, is, is yeah. Um, I, again, this is another one that I need to see more of. Um, you know, the characters look interesting. I like the way the health bars are like divided up into specific notches. Like it doesn't look like you're slowly draining one bar. It looks like you're just trying to eliminate like one notch of health at a time, um, which is sort of novel for a fighting game. Uh, and then the way they were talking about it, uh, they said that it was, had a stronger focus on strategy and less of a focus on rote memorization. So I don't know if that means that there are no special moves or um, no combos or whatever, uh, but you know that's that's a barrier for entry for a lot of people in fighting games. Is like I just don't want to learn the dumb buttons. Oh to yeah, absolutely. Make the guy do what I want. Be included. To do. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it could be a a fun one to get into. Um, it's always weird to go into a fighting game, um, sort of like blind to like the the context or like the you know when I'm picking up a Street Fighter game. I know 90% of the cast from the beginning. When we go into a Marvel versus Capcom game, we know all of those characters. Um, ditto Mortal Kombat, ditto, you know, like most fighting games. Um, and, you know, the exceptions are like this Pocket Rumble thing would have been, you know, all new characters. Uh, Skullgirls, that was exciting to just have like a fresh cast. And that this would be the same thing where it's like, hey, these are all new characters and you don't know what to expect or like how anyone plays or anything like that. That's all very exciting to me. So I, I probably will jump into this. 
then moving on from that, uh, that the next game they showed off uh, was a game that they described as a rith- or a bullet hell rhythm game called Just Shapes and Beats, which I think is a perfect name for a rhythm game. And a rhythm game that seems to be just shapes and beats. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Seems kind of abstract, but cool. They said uh, it, that it's a lot of like chip tunes, um, which is really neat. If they haven't uh, already recruited 8-Bit Betty for this, they should obviously give 8-Bit Betty a call. Yeah, just do it. Just do it. Look, you love our theme music, right? You would love everything else 8-Bit Betty does. And this actually goes for everyone listening to this show. Go look up 8-Bit Betty right now. He's on Spotify. And it's a good record that he has up there. We can move on. <laughs> uh, after that, they showed Garage coming in spring 2018. Yeah, so this look, this game looked a little bit like Smash TV to me, where it's got that like overhead perspective, um, like really tight overhead, um, like not at, at any sort of an angle. You know how like when you're playing like a, a 2D Zelda, you can tell. Yeah, like, they the call it like, it's like isometric, I think is what they usually yeah. call it. And this is just top down. Yeah, and they say that it is inspired by v, uh, VHS era B movies. Now, I have to admit, I do not, I did not understand what this game is. I also don't understand what this game is. It looked like there's a cursor on screen in addition to your character. Um, so I, I think it's like a... Uh, Sort of like a monster movie slash like um you know maybe like Escape from New York style um you know, living in some awful hellscape and just like surviving not not clear to me what the like moment to moment gameplay is other than it's supposed to be like grotesque and horrific and and all that stuff that you and I just flock to <laughs> long time listeners will of course know mm-hmm. that uh yeah we flock. Yeah, we do. The more violent and awful a video game is, the more likely that we're going to be there on day one. <laughs> Which is why we're big Nintendo fans. <laughs> that's right. That's why I picked up Kirby. Speaking of something that's a little, maybe a little bit more in our wheelhouse for real is Pool Panic. Yeah, so this is another game uh, being de- co-developed by Adult Swim Games, like, uh, what was the name of that game last year? Uh, Battle Chef? Battle Chef, yeah. Um, and like Battle Chef, it has a super distinctive art style. Um, not at all like the Battle Chef Brigade um, art style, but, you know, totally looks like an Adult Swim cartoon. And it's just like, it. I can't tell if it's like a, an adventure game where like you're also playing pool or if like it's just all pool. It looks to me like a puzzle game. Okay. Like, uh, I don't... Um... That's what it seemed like to me, especially because they were saying that there, I think they said there were like hundreds of different. Um, oh, yeah, that sounds like, like a puzzle game. Not maps isn't right, but just like arenas or something. I can't remember exactly what the nomenclature was. Yeah. But it made me feel like, oh, it's a puzzle game with like a bunch of different scenarios that you have to solve. And like, it looks like all the, the characters who are just, you know, billiard balls have like faces and personalities and stuff. It looks cute. Yeah. Um, does pool do anything for you? In any in any context, no. Yeah, I mean, I've never been good at it, right? So or I, I guess I don't even know what that means. You know, like I've never learned mm-hmm. how to actually play pool. Yeah, I've stood around a table before. Absolutely, I've you know used one of the sticks to hit the balls and right, <laughs> right. We're both real good at pool. Um, and then after that, they moved on to Bomb Chicken, uh, which is coming out summer of 2018. It is an eight-bit chicken-based puzzle platformer. Um. Oh, one of those. One of those. Just like Chicken Wiggle. 
which may be coming to Switch as well. If, have you checked in on its Kickstarter? Uh, have we talked about this on the show? We haven't talked about it on the show. I feel like we have kicked Chicken li- Wiggle enough. Oh, sure. Just leave it down is what you're saying? <laughs> uh, I. It has not, to date, reached its fundraising goal. To no, but it was like Switch. two-thirds of the way there last I saw. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. With, I think, like 20 days left to go. So, so good luck, Chicken Wiggle. Mm-hmm. But this game is not Chicken Wiggle. No. It's about a chicken who lays eggs that are bombs. Uh, so, it's yes, it's about a chicken who lays, lays bombs. Sure. But you don't think there are also eggs? No. All right, all right. Um, does this game do anything for you? Um, in, I think it looks funny. Like, I like the idea of a chicken laying bombs. Yeah. Uh, it kind of reminded me a little bit of Box Boy, and you have that, like, build-up mechanic, yeah. um, except if you were using boxes as weapons. Oh, I don't know. Man. It looks fun. I think it would be one of those things where it totally depends on price. Yeah. Price and, like, if people are like, oh, wow, this game, you got to check it out. Yeah. Speaking of, oh, wow, this game, you got to check it out. Uh, Luminous Remastered was the next one on the list coming out spring 2018. Um, I don't have any history with Luminous. I don't either. Um, and seeing footage of it, like, part of my mind is like, oh, this is like a Tetris-style game. And then a couple seconds elapse, and I'm like, I have no idea what's happening in yeah, this. Yeah, this is a game that I am I feel like has a strong following. Yeah. Uh, but it's one that I've never understood. They mentioned that the music is remixed to interact with the HD rumble. Also, they mentioned, I think that it's being overseen by the creator of Res. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah. So I think it has a big name attached to it. Well, so then it'll be like a good version of what is a good game that you and I are uh, totally unfamiliar with. Presumably. Uh, speaking of games we're totally unfamiliar with, Reigns, King and Queens, coming out spring 2018. Um, I couldn't wrap my head around what this I game was. I couldn't wrap Could my you? head around it either. But the one thing I did want to say about it is if you understand what this game is. I do not. Oh, our listeners. Yes, you the listener. Mm-hmm. Uh, let us know. Yeah, write in Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. Here's my impression. Mm-hmm. Here, here's the impression that I get from this game. You are shown cards that look like the subjects you're ruling over, and you have to decide whether to like grant their request or not. And then you either like curry their favor or they plot against you and you use up your resources. That's my impression. That yeah, like, that's what it seems to me like something like that um i guess the thing that i like about the fact that it exists and is coming to switch is it just shows that switch is a platform that can support all types of indie games yeah because you know it looks more like a mobile game right it does look more like a mobile game but i don't know i just think it's cool that not everything has to be a uh retro inspired platformer yeah bomb chicken (laughs) I mean, now that that's a bad thing, you know, like I played and really loved Celeste. Yeah. And, and it's definitely, I mean, we're whores for that kind of aesthetic. Oh, yeah. We love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a game further down this list that uh, I'm very excited about that is all about that aesthetic. Um, but we'll get there in a second. Next up was Lightfall. Yes. Uh, coming out spring 2018. Super challenging platformer. That's like how it's uh, marketing itself. Looks like you. Uh, are running you're like a little dude Mm -hmm. you're running really fast 
in order to make impossible jumps, it looks like you can make like a square appear, maybe with like the a button press. Yeah. And then you can use that as like a platform or to like grab on or like catapult yourself. Yeah, it looks like there's a lot of that um when did this become super popular? The platforming that's based around your ability to like jump off of a wall to like wall jump off of something right because that's you know obviously a big part of celeste uh-huh. uh, like you were just mentioning and like meat boy uh, controls that way and this game looks a lot or it looks like it controls a lot like both of those games yeah so based purely on the trailer it reminded me a lot of celeste yeah uh just with the little like platform mechanic replacing the ability to do like a that double dash. jump type yeah. dash um, it looks cool. It's got that kind of uh, limbo-esque art style. Right, where it's like everything's in silhouette with like, this has a more like colorful background, but yeah. Um, looks like a cool game. It does look like a cool game. You getting a little burned out on that aesthetic or? I'm getting burned out on the aesthetic. I'm uh, in general, you know, I, I don't love hi- hyper difficult games. Sure. Uh, Celeste was fun because it made it part of the story. And also, it had assist mode. So when I got really frustrated at the end, I just wanted to get through it. I could could do it. Yeah. And then the next game that they showed off was probably, I don't know, the most uh, unique looking, interesting game. For sure. Uh, West of Loathing. Uh, West of Loathing, which uh, looks like a cowboy RPG in a stick figure, like, draw like web comic almost style yeah and it's like a comedy rpg mm-hmm. uh a, a slapstick rpg i believe yes. is, is how they described it with optional turn-based combat so like maybe you don't even need to go into combat in this game um i don't know it seems cool this is gonna be another one that for me comes totally comes down to price yeah like am i picking this up for 15 bucks or is it like 40 because i can tell you who's not gonna pick it up for 40 bucks <laughs> okay me. How do we pronounce this next one? They did it. They pronounce it as Pudo. Pudo. Which I'm willing to believe because mm-hmm. they obviously checked with somebody right before they said it. Um, this is another one out spring 2018. Basically, everything on here is either spring or summer of, yeah. of this year, um, which I guess kind of gives us the it, right the impression that like that's all we're seeing in here. Um, that they'll probably just as they did last year have another. Uh, Nindy showcase later in the year. And let's be honest, a lot of these games are going to fall to like later in the year, anyways. Or to never if you're Pocket Rumble and Wargroove. Um, so, uh, Pudo seems like it's a 3D co op, like puzzle platformer sort of thing where two characters, one who's like a rock and the other one who's like a little ball of light, um, solve puzzles together. Looks an awful lot like Faye to me. Did you think so? I, uh, it looked less like saturated mm. to me. Yeah, I mean, it still has that like uh, the very high contrasts, you know, like uh, very bright whites and very dark blacks, um, and sort of like simple geometric characters. Um, and I mean, I liked Faye fine, um, not enough to go back to it or finish it or to agree with Fadel on his assessment of the game. Uh, but I think a two-player like uh, this is something i i think i probably could play with sarah and that we would have a, a good time with um depending on like how difficult it is to control the characters uh how do we say this pudo i believe so yeah is that also what sebulba says when he says uh, pudu oh of course pudu i assume is like 
bantha poop uh-huh. or some, a manure of some kind. Right. It's like what you would... Uh, if you're Biff Tannen and yes. you just crash into a truck. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's what you would... Mm-hmm. That's poodoo right there. Uh, next, they shut off the messenger. Messenger one, looks dope. So this is like a... It looks like a Ninja Gaiden yes. throwback title. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming super difficult. Yeah. Very oh, that's challenging. A that's a good point. It might be too difficult. Um, You're playing as a ninja, presumably a messenger of some kind. Sure, why not? I mean, maybe the messenger is us all along. Or maybe you're trying to take down the messenger. Oh, yeah. Yes, maybe that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I reacted really strongly to that. Yeah, you really did. <laughs> yeah. Um, But so the, the game has the, that 8-bit throwback aesthetic. But um, it also ah! has a 16-bit throwback aesthetic because the game has you, like, jumping through portals. It traveling through time. Yes, that makes so much sense. So as you jump to a different era in time, so too does the graphical style jump from 8 to 16-bit. Um, and that's fun. That's fun, and that's cool, and those are both graphic styles that I love. Um, as discussed, uh, you can get really close to burning me out on something, but then give me a neat twist on it, and like I'm there. Um, also, uh, I would love to play a game that feels like Ninja Gaiden, uh, like the original Ninja Gaiden games, that's not quite as punishingly difficult as those original games were. I tried playing Ninja Gaiden again on the um, NES Classic. It's on there, right? I'm not making this up. Uh, I, uh, we're going to assume for the sake of where else would I have played it? I don't have I, I mean, that's a great point. point. <laughs> um, and that game is still just too hard. Like, I can get to the same spot in the third level that I ever could as a kid uh, and could, could not progress further. Not even with uh, save states and stuff like that. I guess I feel like, uh, if I can, just a small, like, sidebar about indie games in general mm-hmm. is I feel like they are, I don't know, a lot of them wear, like, their difficulty uh, yeah. as a badge of honor. Um, and it kind of bums me out. Like, I feel like it's, like, <laughs> super alienating for a large portion of the audience. But I guess, like, if you're an indie developer, you're very passionate about making games, and you want to make games that you love, and y- you are probably, like, a... A skilled video game player, and you want to make mm-hmm. a game that you would enjoy playing, and so you're making like an incredibly dif- difficult game. Well, the The thing that's interesting about like indie games is that like they're obviously shooting for a smaller like piece of the pie than like a, a big AAA game or like a Nintendo first party game would, right? Um, and so I think they're going for the more like extreme or like you know the hardcore gamer. Um, that is more likely to venture outside of like the big blockbuster games. You know, like the net you're casting is to, you know, only the people who are the most tuned in, with very rare exceptions. You know, like Rocket League hitting everyone in the world, or like Minecraft at at the time being an, an independent game when it was published, hitting everyone in the world. That's all very, um, that that's that's the exception then the the rule is like the people who've been playing games their whole lives and who like make it their lives and so i i mean you and i play a lot of games but i think we don't maybe we don't even play that many games actually uh really thinking about it because we're not crazy about challenge uh 
I'm really enjoying Kirby, and that game has very little challenge in it. So, yeah, I don't know. I wonder if that's that's what it's about, that they're just like, they're aiming for a segment of the population that has been gaming forever. Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely it. And also, I looked it up, and Ninja Gaiden is, in fact, on the NES Classic. I Thank God, because if I was <laughs> making that up, I don't know. I don't know what I would do. I mean, one, we would lose all credibility. That's right. And by the way, we are totally incorruptible. No one has paid us a dime for this so, show. So just review us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts. Also, did Mac Weldon ever pay us? Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe the network got money. <laughs> we never filled out the paperwork. That's right. To get money from the network. So we can maybe edit the that network. Part out. No, it's perfect. The network. <laughs> the network can be corruptible. You and I are not. Oh right, yeah. There we go. Uh, next, they showed Bad North. Yeah, which uh, is pointedly not Wargroove, um, but is a real-time strategy game that uh, it has roguelike elements, meaning that when your uh, generals or whatever they are die, they're gone forever, and um, you know your characters and units are continually affected by whatever you did before. So again, this is a game that I was trying to based on the trailer, understand the mechanics? Yes. And I don't. Is it like a star... <laughs> is it like, you know, uh, like a StarCraft type thing where you are generating... Uh, generating units. And... Units as, like, enemy units are heading towards you? There didn't seem to be any, like, bases necessarily. But yeah, like you were just it... on an island and then boats were coming at you. And you just got to beat back the boats. Mm. Um, Yeah, unclear. It They did specifically state real-time, so... Um, you know, not uh, turn-based like like Wargroove will be. I'm excited about Wargroove. I think it's going to be good. <laughs> you just wish Bad North was Wargroove. I do. So we could be talking about Wargroove. And I just wish that Fantasy Strike was uh, Pocket Rumble. So sue me. <laughs> and then finally, uh, they shut off Banner, Banner Saga 3, which is coming to the Switch this, sometime this summer. And they said that Banner Saga 1 and 2 are coming soon. So the Banner Saga trilogy... Um, these are also games I don't totally understand. Are they? Which is kind of the running theme of the show is you and I uh, taking guesses at what we think games are. I mean, are. <laughs> we are out of touch with mm. indie games. Like, I will fully, fully admit that. Yeah. Um, but so, like, maybe a uh, an RPG with, like, tactical elements, um, but a lot of, like super hard decisions where, like, one character dies and you never get him back. Um and uh, all of that kind of like really dark stuff. Yeah, it seems like story is the main focus. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very like a Don Bluth nineteen eighties animated film. Totally. I mean, it looks a little bit like Dragon's Lair. Yeah. Um, that old uh, arcade game. So I remember like the first and probably the second game at this point have been out for quite some time mm-hmm. on a lot of different platforms. Uh. They've always looked interesting. I remember seeing uh, Thomas Middleditch back when he was on Twitch. Yeah. When he would like stream games on, games on Twitch. I remember watching him play a little bit of this. Um, it looks very appealing to me, just like aesthetically. Yeah, and seems like A, a perfect game for Twitch. Um, or B, like a perfect game to play with someone like being able to experience whatever specific heartbreak you're experiencing uh, as your characters die, or it seems like one of these guys loses an arm or can lose an arm, right? Right. One of these yeah. guys had one arm. One arm, Mark. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it 
sounds like you're at least a little bit interested in this one. I think it'd be fun to maybe buy the first one when it comes out and we can play it together. Yeah, I like that. Let's do that. Uh, so that that wraps up the showcase. All either 11 or 17 minutes of it, depending on which one of us you ask. Um, but that's not the end of the uh, Nintendo indie news coming out of GDC. Um, we saw a couple other announcements. Uh, Hyperlight Drifter is coming to the Switch. Nidhogg 2 is coming to the Switch. And Crashlands are uh, all, all coming out. Um, are those all this summer? or No, I think Hyperlight Hyper Light Drifter was the only one that they said was coming this summer. Um, the other ones I don't think have dates yet. So you were, when we were talking about this a little bit before the show, um, you were excited about Nidhogg 2. Yeah, have you, have you played the original Nidhogg? No, it's not a series I'm familiar with at all. So uh, the original Nidhogg is a one-on-one fencing game. Um, with super simple, like, Atari-style graphics, like, pre-8-bit. Um, and, like, all the characters can do is, like, run, jump, duck, and, like, swing their sword. And it's basically a one-hit-kill fighting game where you just, like, keep respawning and, like, keep, uh, like, racking up scores against each other. And there's this... Uh, the arena that you're in is just, like, one long thing with, like, some pits and, like, a couple little things you can hide behind. Um, and it is like the ultimate like pick up and play uh, one versus one uh, kind of fighting game. Um, and Nidhogg 2 is uh, has more of like almost an ugly 16 bit aesthetic. Like it looks more like a Genesis game or like a Turbo Graphics game where like the colors are like the greens are too green and like the pinks are gross. Um, and uh, has uh, a similar. Um, pick up and play sort of one-on-one fighting game aesthetic um, but is uh, you know weirder and newer and grosser is it is it already out on other platforms it is already out on uh. other platforms yeah um, but uh, yeah good, good to see it coming to the switch also at gdc uh, studio wildcard announced that arc survival evolved is coming to switch what is arc survival evolved so uh it's a game where you are like I don't know if you're like a caveman, but you're just you're a person mm-hmm. uh in Man, if you were a caveman, I would be I would be so much I more mean, excited for the rest of this description. I, I think it takes place in like the time <gasps> of cavemen in like the fantasy sense where you are also with di- in a world where like dinosaurs exist. Got it. And it's a survival game. So you're trying to like you're just existing in the world and trying to stay alive and get food build shelter you know like you can build like forts and everything i think there's like a pvp and a pve aspect so in pvp obviously people will like raid your um fort and try to destroy things and everything pvp by the way is player versus player because sometimes we got to break down the the terminology right oh yeah absolutely pvp is player versus. i mean player. i'm a hotshot gamer so i know all the cool lingo <laughs> but uh, to, to repeat we are not in touch with the indie game <laughs> uh community right now <laughs> pvp is player versus player pve is player versus enemy i be- i believe so okay yeah we don't even know <laughs> what else would it be it's got to be enemy <laughs> um but basically would be you you're playing, playing against, against the, the computer. computer there you go uh should be pvc <laughs> right like the pipe yeah it just makes sense uh, so is this is this one that you're interested in? Or? So this is another one that way back in the day, and by that I mean a couple of years ago, <laughs> uh, uh, Thomas Middleditch was streaming back when I think when it was on beta on the PC. 
and it looks like fun. Uh, so yeah, I I am interested in it. You know what we should do? We should have Thomas Middleditch on the show to talk about. Oh sure, we'll just call <laughs> we'll up just call old up Tommy M. <laughs> sure, he'd do it. Yeah. So if you think Thomas Middleditch should uh, appear on our show, tweet at him. I think he's just Thomas Middleditch, right? Or probably like at Middleditch. Yeah, something like that. Find him. Find him. Tell him to come on the show. And then for the first time, uh, Nintendo's Damon Baker also released an unordered list of the 10 best-selling indie titles on Switch lifetime to date worldwide. Why would this list not be in any order? Because that's not what's important. Mm. What's important is a lot of these games sold really well. Yeah. Uh, let's run through the list real quick. SteamWorld Dig 2, Stardew Valley, Kamiko. What is Kamiko? So it's the game that's like $4, I think. It, uh, it is a Zelda-esque title. All right. Uh, Celeste, Fast RMX. Golf Story, Enter the Gungeon, Overcooked Special Edition, NBA Playgrounds, and Shovel Knight Treasure Trove. A uh, lot of good games on that list. A lot of good games. Interesting that a game like Celeste and Enter the Gungeon, which came out not that long ago, oh, yeah. all things considered, are already in the top 10. Um, I, I guess there's not really any surprises on here other than that Rocket League isn't there. But hey, I'm yeah. assuming that's just because it's not really considered an indie game. I mean, who knows? Blossom Tales isn't on here either. Which we know that it's sold well on Switch relative to Steam because the developers recently said that they're able to continue to make games because of its performance on Switch. It sold like 10 times as, as good on yeah. Switch as it did on But I mean, when platforms. you're up against a title like SteamWorld Dig 2. Sure. Yeah. You know, not necessarily going to make the top 10. But I think what it does show is that the Switch is a thriving platform for indie games. Yep. And then also coming out of GDC uh, at the Nindies panel, Nintendo talked a little bit about uh, their plans for the eShop going forward. US Gamer reported that Nintendo said they plan to improve and upgrade the eShop's UI for, quote, better discoverability. That's good. Um, discoverability is a big deal and a problem on all platforms. Um, if, if you're not, I do like that, uh, the switch eShop is, uh, that you can sort it by what is most new. Um, and, uh, so if you're picking up something the day it's coming out, you can find it. But like once you're a week or two out, like you got to know what you're looking for. Browsing on that thing is a nightmare. It seems like studios have started using sales as a way to make their game known yeah. because there's a um a category specifically for games on sale and so you drop it by like 10% or something it shows up there and that's smart yeah so i i feel like people are adapting to the platform as is but there is a long way for nintendo to go and like really doing i guess just a better job of like curation yeah and curation is like impossible so like props to them for doing or at least setting out Attempting. to do <laughs> yeah setting out to do something all right mark so that was the uh nindy showcase let's close out the topic here
I don't really think we missed anything, but if we missed anything, you could write to us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com and let us know what we missed. It's possible also that we shortchanged some of these games that uh, deserve more attention or that we talked too much about Fantasy Strike. Yeah, or it's also completely possible possible that we completely misinterpreted how one of these games work <laughs> that's true if anyone knows how what's the name of this game reigns rain rain kings and queen if anyone knows what this game actually is please write into us uh we're not going to look into it any other way also if you could find thomas middleditch's email send him an email <laughs> tell him to be on this show with a link to this episode i think that would help out a lot um all right Let's get out of here. That's going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Uh, remember, please rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. If you want us to go to E3, we need 50 reviews. That's 26 more than we have at this exact second. So, you know, steal your mom's phone. Steal your brother's phone. Uh, borrow them. You can just borrow them. Steal them. Do whatever it takes. <laughs> review the show. We really appreciate it. We do. We appreciate it. We appreciate you. And you know what? You guys are doing so much for us as it is. Don't don't do any of this. I mean, if you I want mean, do to, it, do yeah, it, do it. Do it, but like, don't. To. But like, please, please, dear God, do it. But like, you don't have to. But like, you should want to. We want you to want to. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter, we are at Nincart Society. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell. If you like to go to Facebook, still, um, we are just Nintendo Cartridge Society on that platform. Um, if you like Mark and Mind's opinions, we write about comic books on retconpunch.com. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by 8 Betty. You can, like I said before, go to Spotify and listen to his album on Spotify. It's great. Uh, or listen right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Ellers saying thanks for listening. Campfire.